You're listening to a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number four, nine, two. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Outdoor Station. I'm your host Bob Cartwright and The Outdoor Station is the place to find podcasts related to the outdoors and self-powered travel since way back in 2005. And what a library I've built up in those 14 years, all of which are still online and you can access any of them via iTunes, your podcast feed readers, internet radio or just the good old-fashioned theoutdoorsstation.co.uk website. My last podcast with Katie Jane Endurance was a 30-minute excerpt from an hour-long video interview, which is now, of course, over on YouTube. I've received several comments and notes directly regarding this new format, so if you haven't had time to check it out, please follow any of the links and see if it inspires you to go hiking in Iceland. Can I ask one thing of you, though? The changes in these social media algorithms that everyone has been talking about on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter is certainly affecting the number of people I'm reaching normally. If you like what I do and have been doing for the last 14 years, would you mind popping over a listener comment on the iTunes library and perhaps while you're at the keyboard, nip along to the outdoorstation.co.uk website and join our newsletter. That way, I can keep in touch with you without having to rely on the variations of social media and you can offer some suggestions and comments directly to me relating to current and future content. But back to the here and now. One of the most popular downloads of 2018 was number 477. The chat with Tough Souls, Carl and Ellie, regarding their epic personal challenge to walk all 42 national waymarked trails in the Republic of Ireland. A total of some 4,000 kilometres or thereabouts. When I spoke to them in September 2018, they had completed 35, with another 7 to go. And yes, in July this year, they completed the Wicklow Way, which was selected as it was the first national waymarked trail developed by J.B. Malone. But more of that emotional moment later. As all hikers listening to this will know, the hardest part of any long trail is the day after you finish. I spoke to Carl and Ellie a couple of weeks after they passed through the final stone gateway of the Wicklow Way. Um, I, I don't think it's quite sunk in. I think we've been back a few weeks, um, which just kind of felt like a holiday. And now that we're trying to get into the real uh, rhythms of life again, um, yeah, it's all a bit surreal, a bit, um, yeah, we're still kind of uh, mentally thinking about moving every day and kind of um, being uh, out and active and doing things, whereas then in reality you need to kind of uh, slow down and step back and kind of um, accept that the project is, is finished and uh quietly move on to <laughs> to regular life again i guess yeah it's funny i find myself absolutely throwing myself into um exercise or into my work or basically anything at all that presents itself 
um, because I, I feel like I'm so used to constantly thinking about walking and constantly just doing it and just being on the move uh, that my, my mind is just casting out all the time for something to think about, uh, something to do at its time. Uh, when we when we first stopped, we kind of promised each other that we were going to take this one week off. We were actually going to properly try and do nothing. And um, we kind of suffered from a bit of what we call the rest day crazies, where we've just finished and we're kind of mentally like exhausted. Um, yeah, mentally completely completely gone. You need you need the break, but then your body is also used to getting up early and doing all that exercise and kind of burning all those calories that you're both just wanting to lie on the couch, but way too uh, kind of twitchy and um, yeah, you're, you're also raring to go and it's a real uh, weird feeling. Um, so we were calling that the rest day crazies for a while. I can understand that. Your, your brain is saying, slow down, stop, it's all over and your body's going, okay, come on, let's go, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the ultimate question has to be, has to be, have you emptied the rucksack out yet? Yeah, we actually did that at the end of the first week back. Um, that was a very strange experience. Um, yeah, the last thing I wanted to do was to leave a, a loaf of fruitcake somewhere in the middle <laughs> for it to just go mouldy and fester. The, the thing is, we've done that. That's the only reason that we would have uh, cleared out the bag so quickly is because I absolutely left a fruitcake in the bottom of the bag and had it be kind of nuclear waste by the end of when we picked back up. Well, I listened back to the, the previous conversation we had and, and the subject of fruitcake came up so often. <laughs> it was, yeah. uh, I can understand how it's, it's, it's in your DNA now. That's it, yeah. I'm going to have to go become the CEO of a fruitcake factory or something. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a, an interesting start. You know exactly how people eat it in different ways. <laughs> so let's get back to the, the project itself then. When I last spoke to you, you'd completed uh, 35 of the trails. You had uh, another seven to go to complete the 42. Um, I can't pronounce some of the names, but I know I know some of them. And you were saving the Wicklow Way for the very last, for the very last one. So, how did the last seven trails go? I mean, you sounded sort of, as you said, you were you were you admitted to being fairly broke at the time. I think you had ten euros or something in your your account. I remember you saying, uh, and you'd um, obviously had some input from uh, the Patreons. You had thirty-seven Patreons that have obviously given you a financial boost as well as a moral boost. So, did that all help you to complete the seven trails uh, and? Feel comfortable doing so? Uh, honestly, I think without Patreon, I'm not 100% sure we would have managed to make it to the finish line. Um, we probably would have, well, I mean, I definitely would have run out of energy. Uh, well, I did run out of energy quite often, but uh, then the, the added kind of boost from um, everybody who supported us on Patreon and elsewhere as well, you know, our families and just people who, who got in touch along the way. Um, that it was such an unbelievable boost. Um, I still can't really get over it. I get very emotional thinking about it, actually. Um, we invited a few of those people to our kind of finish line celebration at the end of the Wicklow Way. Um, and that was just an unbelievable experience. And I think um, kind of all of the the social media and the, the blogs that we've been writing about the different places and stuff, by the time it came for us to do the last seven trails, um, we got to meet like so many incredible people along the way. Um, it was really just one kind of wonderful conversation uh, to the next. It was, um, yeah, such a, a wonderful way for us to kind of finish the project, to uh, get to meet up with 
other outdoorsy people, get to meet other uh, outdoorsy people that we knew were hiking in Ireland uh, on the same trail uh, and kind of cross paths for a little bit and that kind of thing. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Yeah. I got the feeling that your your social media actually sort of came started to come to fruition at that time we last spoke. I know you had sort of seven to go, but you you'd been working hard at the obviously the YouTube and the Instagram and social media generally. And I remember you saying that people were actually starting to shout your name across the street when they saw you walking through the through the town. So you obviously must have been making a name for yourself uh, across Ireland. Yeah, I feel like it really sort of um, paid off in a way. It sounds very transactional, but. It, it feels as though it was worth it at the end when, when we got to meet all of these lovely people on the, the final couple of trails. Um, it really felt as though we hadn't just wasted our time and tons and tons of effort into doing all of the social media and the videos and everything. Uh, and it was really wonderful um, because, yeah, we didn't know uh, if people would be interested in the project when we started. Um, we would get messages every now and again, uh, people asking us about which trails uh, we would recommend that they do in different areas, if they were coming to visit Ireland or if they were they just lived in a certain place. And it was really, really, I loved getting to share what we've learned with people um, because the, the more people that we've met that tell us they've gone on a hike um, because we inspired them to is like, that's really what I'm most proud of is, um, yeah, getting to help other people get out hiking. And kind of yeah, experiencing the outdoors. Well, it's I mean, so it is a wealth of knowledge and experience you've got, and obviously you've achieved the project. You're the first people to have to have walked every trail, and uh, and I too am one person that's inspired to come to Ireland. I'd like to come this year if I could, uh, and do something um, just to experience the, the 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 whole interaction with the social aspect as well as the physical walking and, and experiencing countryside. So you've got me on your list as well as a result of of your activities. So thank you very much, and I shall be picking your brains at the end of this interview to see where I'm going to go <laughs> absolutely I, I look forward to what your experience is like I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think absolutely um, but again coming back to the last seven trails is there anything you could tell us about those and, and any any sort of further information to what you described last time about walking uh, in Ireland and on the various trails because you had certain trails that you had more favourable feelings and uh, relationships with but that, a lot of that could have been associated with the weather at the time of course yeah, it's it's actually it was really great. We actually left some of the best ones for last. Um, Completely accidentally. Yeah, we did not expect. Uh, we the thing is, we didn't know very much about these trails until we started walking them. Um, and then after we'd started walking them, I almost intentionally didn't learn stuff about the the trails we'd yet to do, uh, so as not to delay our. Or, or you know, um, to what's the word? Color our. Yeah, color our expectations of them. Um, and so by complete accident, we left uh, the bear away to the last, uh, it was our second last trail. And that was phenomenal. One of just an incredible part of the world. Um, and it was such a, such a great feeling to have left such a good trail for the end. And it, um, many people know of the, the Kerry Way and probably the Dingle Way. And those are kind of the top two peninsulas of the uh, Kerry, Cork, yeah, Atlantic the, coast. So yeah, there's, there's yeah. the southwest of Ireland. Um, and then just below them, there's the Bearaway and the Sheep's Headway, which we had already done before. And 
it's amazing because you still get this incredible beauty and amazing walking that you have in Kerry and Dingle, but it's just um, way more remote, way more less known about. So it's very kind of rugged, uh, wild landscape that you get to be walking through, which was just, yeah, really, really magical. Yeah, that was something else. And of course, the Wicklow Way, um, the reason we'd left that for last um, was because it was the very first uh, trail of its type in Ireland. Um, and it just sort of felt correct to do that one last. If we weren't going to do it first, we had to do it last, basically. Um, and on that trail, there's a monument to the man who kind of made long distance walking a thing in Ireland, uh, J.B. Malone. Um, so there was this this big monument on our third last day of the the project. After you know years and years of walking, to finally see this monument was extremely emotional uh, and actually quite difficult to handle. <laughs> well, interesting, interesting the, uh, the sort of combination of that and you know your 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 part in history as well, I guess, in in the outdoor community and, and walking in Ireland. That's that's very. Um, I can imagine it would be quite emotional actually being greeted by. Well, you started it. No, you started it. No, you started it. But no, it sounds uh, sounds superb. I mean, did you notice anything with the um, obviously the the difference with the Wicklow Way and well known uh, trails, uh, and there are the lesser known trails. And I, I believe uh, again, last conversation, you were saying to me that there were some trails you hadn't really realised existed at all. Uh, have you have you noticed since our conversation, those last seven trails, that that there are more people out doing the walking now, doing these trails? It's hard to say because we left something like the Wicklow Way for last, which is probably, I'd say, the second or third most walked trail in Ireland. Um, It's difficult because we're only ever really out on the trails for up to a week. Uh, It's a very small sample size, really. Um, But in general, I think hiking is becoming, um, yeah, like incredibly popular and uh, a really great way for people to kind of get out and uh, experience places. And there's kind of a, it's not a double-edged sword. There's two sides to it where um, we've been writing kind of blog posts about like beginner gear lists or that kind of things, um, trying to help more people get outside and kind of connect with and understand nature. But then you also want to make sure that you're um, making sure that people go out and kind of engage responsibly. Um so it's it's a really uh, tricky balance because then in the more popular areas, um, you're kind of crossing your fingers that everyone's bringing home their coffee cups or their banana peels or whatever. Um, actually, one of the most bizarre moments on our on one of our last trails, we uh, it was on the Barrow Way, and we just we completed the majority of our climbing for that day, and we were sitting beside a lake, uh, having kind of a late lunch, and this. A uh, couple pass us, and they kind of say, "Oh, and uh, I'm sure you've heard, but there's a there's 80 people coming up the trail behind us, uh, kind of coming against us." Mm-hmm. And we both just kind of sat there, and we were shocked. Like, yeah. What in heaven's name are they talking yeah, about? It can't be 80 people. And I was kind of they were going to be walking against us. I for 10 or 15 minutes then was getting quite anxious about having to pick up 80 people's rubbish on the way back down on the other side of the mountain, and um, because just that many people, you kind of. There's a natural um, thing where someone just, you know, they drop a bit of a wrapper or a coffee cup or something. Um, and and then these people kind of round the mountain. They can't, Yeah, they crest the far side of the hill. And it is a group 
um, of 78 older German women um, singing as they crest this like very, very serious climb from their side. Not a not a sheen of sweat on them yeah. at all, uh, marching along. And then we have about five minutes of hello, hello, <laughs> hello, hello. Um, on the top of a mountain. I mean, there's nobody else around for miles and there's 78 German women um, singing away in, in harmony with each other. It was unbelievable. It, yeah, the most surreal experience, and not a not a speck of litter anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was actually unbelievable. I was so impressed at how little a mark they left. Uh, I could not have told that there were suddenly seventy eight German women on this mountain. Um, it, that was just an incredible, a really strange experience. Memorable. Uh, I know you're uh, members of the Leave No Trace um, sort of community and also educating people from that point of view. Uh, again, since we last spoke, which was, well, a year ago, I guess, uh, have you noticed a definite increase in people's awareness to Leave No Trace when they're out walking? Well, I think as we become more involved in the community, we're seeing it a lot more. But I, I can't tell if that's just because um, we're leave no trace members and we're trying to promote that or if it's actually um kind of well known i think i think it is um there's a lot of um like climate change climate action um things happening here now so i think it is becoming more well known and more um respected and appreciated Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's something that we've always had a little bit of a difficult time with um because, you know, when we make our videos and that type of thing, people will often ask, oh, and where did you camp that night? And I, I'm reluctant to to say, um, mostly because I don't want um, lots of people to camp in the same area or um, for people to assume that because we did it, it would be fine for them to do it as well, not knowing whether or not we asked permission or if there were special circumstances. Um and also, we never do a campfire, and some people would do campfires, and I just have like an idealistic thing with them. Um, so I don't know. I, I it's it's been difficult anyway trying to um, uh, balance educating people about this, but not necessarily um, not not convincing people to. Uh, no, I don't know. I think it's just it's quite difficult for me to to balance showing, you know, encouraging people to go outside, um, but also encouraging them not to go outside and litter or be irresponsible. Yeah, to go responsibly. In fact, I don't know if you've heard the interview that I did with uh, Katie Turnup in Sky, uh, and she has exactly the same issues there as well, promoting, you know, the healthy outdoor appreciation, but at the same time trying to educate people to appreciate and understand that uh, there is a responsibility that goes with it. Mm. You're listening to The Outdoor Station. Award-winning producers of podcasts to inform, inspire, entertain and encourage people to enjoy a healthy outdoors lifestyle. So just to, to remind listeners again, these trails, although there's a large number of them, 42 of them, there's actually most of them are less than a week, aren't they? Is that, That's correct. Yeah, I would think on average they're between five and seven days. Um, there's a couple of trails that are, you know, 12 or 13 days, but the vast majority are less than that. I think distance-wise, maybe the average would be maybe 65 kilometers. Mm-hmm. 
maybe uh, a bit more. Maybe a bit more. Yeah. yeah. So there's 42 trails, and the total distance we walked is about 4,100 kilometers. So I guess it works out then to just under 100 kilometers per trail. Now, along with the immense wealth of knowledge that you've attained doing this and also the wealth of uh, information, videos, etc., you've also very kindly created some mapping of every trail. Yeah, this uh, is a project I, I'm actually really proud that we, we did. Um, yeah, so we have we published free maps for every Irish National Landmark Trail. Um, so I made these maps myself, or well, like we made these maps uh, from scratch pretty much. Um, maps like this existed in the past, um, but one we had an I, I had an issue where I couldn't display the maps on in our videos. Um, the licensing was a little bit too restrictive. Uh, despite the fact that the maps were free, I wasn't able to show them in the video. Uh, and this bothered me for like a year and a half before I just decided to learn how to make maps. Um, and now we have maps I can show in the video. Um, but yeah, uh, in the process, obviously, making these maps and publishing them, um, I've gotten to know even more about the trails than I, uh, I feel like I already knew. Uh, I wonder at what point I'll stop learning things about them. Um, but it has been a really great experience to do that, and I'm really happy to have been able to give that, this resource to people. Some people have asked us to send them the specific GPS files for different trails, and the GPS um, data that we use in these maps is specifically from Sport Ireland. Yeah, so we maintain the trails. Yeah, so it's the official um data for where the trail should go so we don't have uh, individual files for each trail mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately when we started we didn't think of recording our own um, so we don't have uh, a full catalogue of, uh, of precisely exactly the steps we took um, but the data is uh, the official data for those trails um, I also should say that uh, a lot of the underlying map data comes from open street maps which uh, we've been lucky enough to contribute to uh, while we're walking, as well as using it for this map, uh, for these maps. As I said, uh, I'm curious to to come over if I can this year, and uh, I was looking at several of these maps before we spoke, and found them to be just what I was looking for. The only thing that I find a little confusing, I can't see anywhere on the map or the data on the website uh, the actual length of each trail. Ah, uh, yes, that's something I'm going to add. Um, I've been meaning to add uh, like a total length and then also a length per page of the map um, so that you kind of have some idea of how long uh, each map will take you. Um, At the moment, there are kind of one kilometre markers along the trail. They're kind of a a horizontal dash across them. Um, But yeah, actually, thank you for the the advice. I'll have to go back and add that on. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, I I assumed I I saw the the horizontal marker and I went, oh, that's obviously a a, a, a kilometre on the trail. But um, from my perspective, and I'm sure many other people who would love to come to to Ireland to walk any of these trails, it would just be nice to know that this trail was a 30 or a 50 or a 60 kilometre trail and it gives you an idea of what gear you might need and, and sort of how to get there and how long it's going to take. I just thought it was a suggestion. No, that's that's very high on my list now to improve the cover page of the map to have more information about the trail itself. Um, and, I mean, this leads us into, uh, you know, they become nearly like guidebooks, don't they, uh, at that point? 
Well, you, yes, again, this wealth of information, it's, it, you must be mm, teetering on a, a bit of a decision at the moment which way to go to use this, this wealth. I mean, I think you said you had something like eight or nine terabytes of video uh, alone. So there, there must be a TV program at least in there. <laughs> well, if you know someone on TV who'd like to give us a shot, uh, do let us know. Um, yeah, um, I think we're definitely thinking about something printed at least. Yeah, I think I I, I love writing um, myself. So I think there's definitely um, at least one kind of book on the way, but maybe we could do a kind of book about the story and then also maybe a guidebook for different kinds of trails. Um, but we've kind of um, haven't made any big decisions yet, mm. but that's what we're thinking about. Yeah, we've promised ourselves we'd take a little bit of time before we actually made the choice so that we wouldn't throw ourselves into something, another uh, extremely huge project. Um, it should only take you six months, I think it was the uh, <laughs> exactly. the word you used at the beginning of the last one. Yeah, but um, I do think uh, the idea of guidebooks, or if nothing else, uh, kind of a guide, uh, a website that's maybe a little bit more geared to guiding people through the trails um, is pretty valuable. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd certainly go for it. I'm fascinating to to know more, and, and as I say, I'm I'm sure many many people are interested in doing these trails. So <laughs> get on with it. The other thing that uh, struck me from the last conversation, uh, I remember you saying you were aiming initially to live off twenty euros a day, and actually you found it much more expensive than you anticipated. And I think you ended up uh, sort of forty to fifty euros a day. And then you also uh, stated that actually, if you wanted to live indoors as opposed to wild camp or live cheaply, uh, it was obviously considerably more expensive. Is that still the same sort of cost that you were working on over these last seven trails? We actually um, managed to rent an apartment while we were doing the final seven trails, um, which was extremely handy because it meant that we didn't have to bring all of our stuff with us at all times. Um, For the the whole rest of the project, we had moved out of our apartments and just had everything on our backs. Um, But for the final seven trails, we managed to... Uh, have a place that we could store things while we were in between trails. Um, but excluding that, um, yeah, I think we definitely lived on that kind of 40 yeah. to max 50 uh, euro a day budget. Um, especially a lot of the trails that we had left were either um, well-developed enough that they had campsites and such along the trails or were remote enough that uh, wild camping was uh, a joy on them. So hmm. we were quite lucky uh, in that respect. Um, but yeah, I think 40 euro a day is definitely a much more realistic budget um, for us in Ireland than, um, than 20 euro was. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't helped necessarily by uh, not bringing a stove, um, which meant that if we wanted to eat hot food, we needed to uh, get buy hot food somewhere. Um which then definitely did kind of mean that we spent more money. Um, but the weight saving was actually, I think, worth it. Uh, I'm, I'm very... I, I, it's one of those things, I feel like this entire project was just an exercise in figuring out what I didn't need to bring with me. Um, and so towards the end, I think we had maybe six or seven kg in our bags each. Um, and that was, I feel, I, I think any lower than that, and you're talking about uh, baby bags and, uh, or like a shopping bag and uh, sneakers, you know. Do you find yourself now walking down the, the town streets or whatever and seeing somebody with a rucksack or obviously doing something of a similar nature and going, what on earth have they got in there? 
Yeah, that is a terrible habit of mine, but I cannot stop myself from thinking, what are you bringing with you? <laughs> what do you have? I, 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 I tell myself that they're probably backpacking all over Europe for two years and they need it. Um, I, I think Carl has a funny habit of overanalyzing people's bags. Um, whereas I started like overanalyzing people's shoes. It's like, <laughs> oh, they're wearing Mara Moab. So I wonder like how long they've lasted. I wonder how worn out they are. <laughs> That's true. I do that as well, actually. I'm like, oh, have they lost their waterproofing yet? I wonder. Yeah, I often do that, actually. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, for a lot of the trails here in Ireland, doing, you know, long-distance walking isn't that huge a thing here. And so for people to do, you know, even two or three of the trails is a huge accomplishment. Um, and I have to sort of check myself pretty often to make sure that I'm not saying things like, oh, that's not that money. You didn't go that far. Um, I, I don't want to make myself sound uh, too unlikable here, but... Um, I think just it's when you do something really big like this, you, you especially when it takes so long, um, it's easy to have it built up in your mind. The other thing is, though, you also your body gets hill fit. You, you do get fit, uh, a long walking fit, which is not an, in itself is an unusual um, area of fitness. But surprising, you know, you, you'll go out for a day walk and you will probably cover if you wanted to 20 to 30 miles. And actually, it would be quite an easy thing to do. Um, and for a lot of people, you know, 10 or 15 miles is more than enough. Uh, but it, it, it comes down to experience and obviously the amount of time that you've given to get that fitness. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's funny because I think it's uh, easier to think that you're not that fit, um, even when you're, when you're walking fit. Because uh, I, I, it, it's very different to running fit, for instance, or climbing fit. A rowing fit um and so it's it's kind of it's a funny one definitely now as, as again just to uh, give people a generalization of these walks and trails in ireland obviously that's part of the main purpose of having this conversation with you so we've uh, concluded that most of the trails are, are less than seven days occasional ones are also 10 days I think you said that um, every day you would pass through a town or a village and there would be a pub and probably a shop of serving some kind of food or supplies. And the other thing I think that from the last conversation, again, I just want to confirm just to give people confidence that it's fairly easy to get to the beginning and the end of most of these trails using the uh, rural transport system. Well, I mean, we got to the beginning and end of most of these trails using public transport uh, because we don't have uh, driver's licenses or cars. Um, I wouldn't say it's completely simple. No, I think definitely uh, the hardest uh, part out of, out of those three things is the, the public transport or the, the local links and that kind of thing. Um, unfortunately, they don't fall together um, as well as we would like or hope and there are quite a few trails where you kind of you reach uh, a bridge or a, an old crossroads and then the trail just kind of ends and suddenly you're kind of looking around wondering um what like why they chose this point or or where you're supposed to go um so no i, I think the public transport side is definitely um a bit tricky here and I think towards the end, we just kind of got really, really good at uh, <laughs> at searching the internet for very old PDFs of very random uh, bus routes. Um, we've only ha we've had to hitchhike a couple of times, and I'm happy to say that uh, each time somebody did pick us up, 
uh, and we got to where we needed to go. Um, but I don't think there's a huge hitchhiking culture here. Mm. Um, this is also something that I'd like to, uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks or months, um, to put up on the site and make it easier for people to figure out how to get to the starter end of, of each trail from, you know, Dublin or Cork, um, because it can be quite difficult. Or I just, I think in the, the grand scheme of things, most of hiking is logistics, um, and cutting down on the amount of logistics you need to do means that you get to have more fun uh, actually outside. Certainly not being a local, it would, uh, it, it would certainly save a lot of time doing exactly the same thing. Well, we're sort of bringing things to a close now, really. I think we've covered most things that uh, we wanted to hear from the completion of the of the project. Uh, the one thing I didn't ask you last time, which uh, several people have mentioned to me, actually, and I just wanted to just check with you, is what's the general approach to midges in, in Ireland? Did you have much problem with midge? Yeah, we, we sure did. Um... It's certainly not the scale of... The videos that we see from Scotland, but um, they yeah. are not not enjoyable, nevertheless. Yeah, um, I mean, a big part of our um, our uh, solution to midges is just to set up the tent at seven o'clock at night and uh, don't get back out. Um, but it's not ideal for a lot of people. So, um, yeah. Recently, we came upon a, a urban legend kind of a, a solution for these which is like a household cleaner and some tea tree oil. Oh, uh, 50% Dettol, 50% tea tree oil yeah. was a spray that we made up. Because we tried, or I tried a couple of shop sprays um, and none of them were really working for me. And they seemed to eat, like to like me a lot more than they like Carl. Um, so this kind of concoction worked well for me anyway. Um, yeah, it worked shockingly well. I was, I was very excited to say, ha, look, this one also doesn't work, but uh, then it actually worked extremely well. So and There was also quite a few horseflies this year, which we hadn't had problems with previously. Um, so yeah, a lot of horsefly bites, um, which that also helped deter. Um, yeah, really a lot of horseflies, actually. Yeah, I think if you were going into some of the very, very rural um kind of mountains on the west you'd probably want to bring um one of those head nets but yeah but um a friend of ours made the mistake of buying one where the holes were actually slightly too big so she just ended up by uh having a head net just slowly filled with midges um around her face uh, as opposed to keeping them out mm. um yeah not ideal not enjoyable little creatures no, yeah. no, no. the other thing about his ticks as well um I mean, you have this problem over in the UK as well, but um, this year in particular, I found that we got quite a few tick bites, um, and that's just no good. And uh, if you're ever going outside in Ireland, bring a uh, tick tweezers just in case. Yeah, there have been a couple of... Um, Lyme disease outbreaks recently, yeah. so it's uh, one of those things. It's, I think it's, it's something we're all having to face these days, certainly. I know we went through your gear last time in sort of fair detail, but was there one particular item that was a fabulous uh, item that you took with you and one particular item that actually was not much good at all? I mean, we probably said the tent last time, and mm. I said it again. The best possible thing that we could uh, take with us, we have an MSR Hobo Hobo. Um, it actually, uh, our original one died on us nine days before the end of the trail. Uh, unfortunately, part of the poles broke in a spot that is uh, unfixable. So uh, we actually had to get one shipped out to us at very short notice um, and intercepted the, the new tent on the way between our second last trail and our last trail. 
Um, still a great tent, and it's precisely the same model as our previous one. So um, we just—it's the same tent. We just uh, replaced the poles and the body and the rainfly. Um, and then for something that we didn't like bringing anymore, I think mm. the drone is probably the best. Oh, that's a really good example. Yeah. Like, um, so the shots that you get with the drone are incredibly beautiful. Um, and it's a wonder, wonderful piece of technology to have, but it's also very intrusive and, um, I, I couldn't help but be very conscious of how much we were possibly impacting other hill walkers when mm -hmm. we use it or, you know, or, and the wildlife nature, as well. Yeah. Um, there are, uh, lots of, uh, current projects to have, um, different falcons and uh, large birds of prey nesting in different areas of Ireland and flying those things around just doesn't help with that project. Um, so we actually, I don't think we used it at all this year. No, I didn't bring it. And there are definitely places where I would love to, to go back and fly it maybe, but I also um, respect the other people there and the wildlife that it just didn't feel right at the time. Yeah. Congratulations on completing the project. It's been uh, 26 months since you started it, and I understand now, have you now got some accommodation, or are you sort of back in normal life, as we say? Yeah. Yeah, back up in Dublin. It's very sad. Yeah, it's and sad. you've got a job? I have a job. It's very, it's extremely sad. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do with myself, and uh, I hope they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> and so the last question has to be, what are you going to do next? Yeah, it's tough, you know. It's it's a difficult choice. There's a handful of trails that aren't um, that aren't officially national landmark trails, uh, or that they you know they were trails once and they aren't anymore, or they are about to be those trails, or they're the right length and they're just you know too boggy or something. Uh, so there's seven or eight of those, and I've kind of been playing around with the idea of doing those over the next few months. Um, a, a kind of a holiday after all our walking to just yeah, do a, a little bit more walking yeah. yeah um but that's kind of a shorter term project and kind of trying to stay away from thinking about really big ones that we could do next um in case i accidentally commit myself to it and then, then we're screwed um i uh, i'm actually uh, doing a master's at the moment so we kind of decided to, to wait a few months and let me work away on that before we pick our next really big thing. So in other words, watch this space. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As mentioned, Carl and Ellie have amassed an incredible library of images, routes, notes, knowledge and video all relating to their two-year project. So do drop by their social media accounts or YouTube and get tempted by any of the 42 walks in Ireland they've completed. There's also a wealth of hiking knowledge, hints and tips on their website compiled by Ellie. All the direct links to them, of course, can be found on the outdoorstation.co.uk show notes. I would love to walk any of these trails myself, especially as some of them could be squeezed into a long weekend. Although, you have to remember, it is the Republic of Ireland, so there's no rush at all. My thanks to Carl and Ellie once again, a lovely couple to talk to, and I hope their map business provides enough funds to take them on their next adventure. So until next time, folks, take care out there, and bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear or see more from our extensive free library, please visit theoutdoorsstation.co.uk. Thank you.